0: The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five Mike Tyson archetypes in MMA with special guest Jordan Gillian. It was a fun look back on some of the sport's most feared destroyers, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, and whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio, but... On this year' program, the Protect Your podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, but in a slightly different way, this is uh, our much beloved, uh, which I appreciate, uh, top five episodes where we spend enough time breaking things down. The sport moves fast; we need to take time and look back at the future, appreciate it. And who else to help me with today's topic? is Jordan Killian as the Mike Tyson uh, from the Tyson documentary, of course. I'm sure you can go stream that at multiple sources online. Plays in the background. Jordan, thanks for joining me on this episode today. What up, dude? I'm so excited to be here. This is uh,
1: when when you we were talking about what topics to do. Uh, as soon as you mentioned this one, I was pretty excited for it. I think this is going to be a good one.
0: Yeah, there were, there were uh, a couple topics in there, but this was definitely one that jumped out. Uh, I would put this more in the kind of for fun category if if i'd say so myself i mean you've been around since the inception of this podcast jordan so you can you can weigh in just as much as me on that but i think we would maybe if we went a little too basic and just did like division best you know fights which we've done nothing wrong with it you're gonna run out of topics pretty fast right
1: yeah you need these every once in a while stuff that's uh kind of outside the box but uh uh, yeah
0: fun you're right yeah man well uh I'm, i'm stoked on it uh I guess we'll, we'll roll right in by the way. Um, you know, we do plugs at the end of course, but, but if if you want to find Jordan online, it's at jyork York 87. Uh, I'm at, at Dan Tom MMA. And of course the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, same address at the P Y M podcast. Uh, apologies ahead of time. My voice is still falling apart. Still, still getting certain things in order, but, uh, not to, to timestamp this one too much. in, in fact, uh, we're just gonna keep this uh, keep this strictly top five. We're gonna skip the current events. You know, there's there is a uh, there is a Bellator uh, card this weekend, and we are you know to timestamp the episode a bit coming off of the UFC's uh, debut on ESPN. But I I really want to make a point, and kind of like I alluded to in our intro, that you know the, the top five episodes are definitely amongst the more more popular episodes, and I I don't argue with it. I personally, as far as doing them goes. They're a lot of fun, especially with uh, with you, Jordan. But when we get in these crazy stretches, kind of like we're about to enter, um, I tend not to do them as much, so I really want to uh, change that this year in in, in, uh, in homage to what I said off the top of the year as far as really buckling down even more so on the podcast this year. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm ranting on a bit here, but yeah, we, we came across this topic, right, like Jordan said. Uh, top five Mike Tyson archetypes, of course. Archetype um, is kind of not like a prototype. A prototype would be the first model, but an archetype is kind of a, a, a model, uh, not necessarily in homage to, but similar parallels, akin. Uh, choose your, choose your, choose your synonym there. But uh, that's essentially what, it, what we did. So I'm gonna have Jordan weigh in here in, in one second. But basically, yeah, whether they were. A fighter that went on a memorable run, or maybe they crashed and burned, but it was memorable in its own way. Or a fighter promoted in a certain way, or you know, maybe we'll have stylistic choices straight up uh, as far as what somebody brought to a division. Um, there, the you know, get creative as you want, as you know, on this show. But but that's basically the gist from how I interpreted the topic. Jordan, how did how did you interpret the topic?
1: Yeah, man, I think there's a lot of things that can kind of fall under the umbrella of archetypes. So you could go with, yeah, like you were talking about, maybe a run that they went on, maybe someone who had, uh, they were right in the spotlight, and then they kind of had it all ripped away from them. They, you know, crashed and burned, like you said. There are also fight styles, guys who reminded you kind of of the way Tyson, even like in the mentality. It's like, I'm going to go out there and be brutal, but uh, man, I'm excited. I've got I've got some ones that I think we, I don't know how much cross crossover we're going to have but I got a few that I think will probably be chalk for like maybe what the fans are saying and what you're thinking but I do have at least one that is way outside the box
0: That's awesome man Um yeah I I, I didn't go as hipster as I thought I would Um but there's definitely some outside the box ones that made my honorable like honorable honorable mentions like if I do the truncated version of this I unfortunately can only take uh two so for what that's <laughs> worth and I I I'll I'll, I'll I'll differentiate those now that we're doing uh, those truncated video versions and again thank you guys uh listeners uh who who support and and, and are clicking on my content over there it really it really helps and translates so I can give you more believe me um but yeah man uh so I'm I'm excited I'm excited to pick this apart too and and I think we will uh to what you are saying Jordan I think there will be a couple crossover but that's totally cool cuz I think the, the, a lot of them maybe the more some of the more obvious ones are are, are deserving but really there's mm-hmm. there's even you know well, you know, yeah, let's just get into it, because we'll probably spoil it, but yeah, there's there's plenty from, from classic to non-classic yeah. that are equally deserving, which is uh, crazy to say, but it's true. All right, um, you know, as, as per usual, you guys know the format, listeners, we go from five to one, exchanging, going back and forth, crossover is okay, after that, we get to your submissions and transitions, what you thought should be on the list, and uh, whatever we miss, we clean up in our honorable mentions, so... Jordan, you know the drill, man. You, uh, I always let the guest uh, at least kick off the list. Uh, we'll probably end up podcasting straight through. I don't know if there'll be a there'll be a break or not. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll change off the steering wheel. We'll do we'll do the Chinese fire drill, if you will. But what was your, what was your number five? Uh, if you want to lead us in.
1: All right. Uh, so my number five is uh, Hector Lombard. Uh I, I put Lombard at five mostly because uh he fits a couple of the, the areas of archetype I think. Uh number one, he was feared. Uh, dude went on it. I just looked it up. I didn't realize how big this run was before he finally, you know, came over to the UFC and, and did lose the Tim Boach in that first fight, you know, and had some success in the UFC kind of, kind of back and forth, uh, wound up losing, I think like five or six in a row. Mm-hmm. A lot of them by, uh, getting finished too. So, uh, you could say he crashed and burned a little bit, man, that run he went on, he went, uh, he won 20 in a row and only two or three of them went to decision, like he was just finishing everybody, knocking everybody out. He was 8-0 in Bellator, and I, I want to say uh, all but one of them or two of them were, were uh, finishes. Shlomenko I know he went to decision with and, uh, and, and maybe one other one, but everyone else he knocked out. Just knocked out everybody he fought, basically, in Bellator. And uh, also, you could even say physically a little bit like Mike Tyson. Short, stocky guy, uh, really muscular, through big, heavy hooks. Uh, but yeah, man, I put Lombard at number five for me.
0: Man, uh, we got crossover here. But, Jordan, it's, it's the best kind of crossover because no bullshit. I have Hector Lombard as my number <laughs> five team, man. That's yeah. perfect. That is fucking perfect. No, I, I agree. This was... This was a highly contested spot, and uh, I won't say who, obviously, in case they come up on your list, and uh, there'll be a time for that, anyways. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it was a contested spot, but at the end of the day, there's that fine line. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, Jordan. You've done mm-hmm. enough, enough, enough of these lists where what fits, what deserves to be on the list, from whether, you know, by definition as well as placement. Uh, and then there's also things that maybe they don't rank as high in the general thinking in that regard, but for you, it's up there. And, and Lombard was like that for me. And, and yeah, I don't, I think it was between like 20 to 24 fight. And again, it's hard because these were in different organizations and there isn't, there isn't clear weight. Some were catch weights, I think like 180, but roughly right in that middleweight, uh, middleweight, uh, pocket. And he went on this incredible run, like Jordan said. And in Bellator, where I actually first discovered him because I I, I, yeah. I wasn't aware of the, the, those couple uh, uh, fights that he had in Pride, which were against tough guys, and his only losses really at the time. With Saucy, right? Yep, A decision loss to Gono. Sosin. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then he does get those losses to Bosch, but I would argue that Tyson X-Factor carries through past that because he drops to welterweight. And now, yes, he's lost. He's lost at the high level, but he wasn't like completely embarrassed. They were awkward fights. No one's ever stopped him ever at this point, right? Right. Uh, So he still has that scary effect, and he goes to welterweight, which we probably should have done the whole time with his short stature. And he just ices uh, mm-hmm. Nate Marquardt. That uppercut Ugh. has it looks like Nate's almost running away and he gets elevated yeah. off the ground with an uppercut. It was so devastating. It's brutal. And then even the Jake Shields fight, which was a win by decision, but the way he, that first he, round, he <laughs> tossed <laughs> him
1: around. He threw Jake Shields around like he weighed 14 pounds. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then and, 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 like Jake Shields' like, face was like bloody after the first minute, like mm-hmm. a stone cold mask. Like, what, how did that happen or something? Yeah. And it's like one of those blood in the water things where you're like, there's no way Jake's making it out. Even Jake, there's no way he's making it out of the round. And he does. But it was like such a dominating, dominating fight. And uh, which is ironic. You look back and you're like, oh, crap. Then he gets popped for a test. And then, uh, yeah. you know, the no contest with uh, Berkman and never technically wins again yet. Right. Which is Crazy.
1: It is crazy, man. And, uh, I think, I think you could, you could attribute a lot of it. It is very similar to, to the Tyson kind of storyline when you, when you look at it. So I, I think that the, I'm, I'm glad it's on your list. It's funny that it, that it wound up being fifth on both of ours, yeah. but, uh but mad lombard he i think the biggest thing that reminded me of like the tyson archetype was just playing the aura around him was just like that this dude was the scariest dude you could fight if you're in bellator this was the fight that i don't want to say you didn't want but like it's the one that you were definitely scared of because you you'd watch him just finish everybody and another thing that might be close to a tyson archetype is some of the dudes he fought didn't have great records mike tyson fought a lot of dudes that didn't have phenomenal records and he was knocking them out left and right and you know if you look at lombard's record there's a couple dudes in there that you know he fought that was like 16 and 14 when he fought him. oh <laughs> yeah like, totally oh, totally. you know he's gonna smash those dudes but yeah
0: great that's awesome that we that we had this iced up like that that is awesome man uh well y- y- you know what let's uh since there probably will be crossover um let's just let's actually do do, do the chinese fire drill now and I'll, I'll kick us off for number four sweet all right um my number four there's probably going to be crossover, and I, I was weary about this because I, I would suspect it maybe not on yours, we'll see, but I would suspect him to maybe fall between the 1 and 3 range for a lot of people, so I hope I'm not pulling a card too early here, but uh, man, uh, you know, you want to talk about, again, the prototype of speed, like kind of Hector Lombard had as far as stylistic, um, this guy did that, but for the for the heavyweight division, which was... Where Tyson fought, and not just for the heavyweight division, really for the sport. When you actually go back and watch the fights and listen to how they, how they were commentating, uh, how how even Tank Abbott was was commentating. A young 19 year old Vitor Belfort who comes in my yeah. number four. Um, I don't know if we got crossover there, but uh, but yeah, he uh, he, he it's, it's it's only a short run. I believe it's only like four fights officially from that, you know uh, the Valley Tudo fight uh, with with mm-hmm. Hess. I want to say uh and then he has a uh, boy I'm I'm super unprepared as I, as I don't have it in front of me. But um but yeah, he he has he has uh two fights in one night uh essentially in the UFC and then and and Tank Abbott's like refing those fights and he's like, "Man, I wish I was uh, 19, but uh it looks like I'm going to have to face this this guy at, like 32 or 33, however old mm-hmm. Tank was and sure enough the next UFC uh the next UFC uh Tank faces him and you just, you know, see him hit that kind of counter left cross that <laughs> McGregor makes so famous, but we're just seeing the, probably the most earliest iteration of a shot that McGregor made so famous, like Vitor just doing his own version of that. Right. And, uh, and yeah, man, it was, it was kind of impossible not to have him on the list. And of course, yes, I know I'm a Randy Couture mark, but, uh, one of my favorite fights that uh, Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort, where he has that Mike Tyson moment where he's, he's mm-hmm. finally not the bully. And, uh, and 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 we see that ar- uh, that kind of archetype storyline, and he would have ups and downs, ups and downs. But that that first run was kind of the the story for the Mike Tyson pro- uh, archetype.
1: Yeah, and I you could even argue that um, not not that the age lines up, but later in his career, when when Vitor came back and you got the T R uh there when yes. he was not when he was spin kicking everyone, he kind of had that same aura about him again. It was like ah shit, the, like if you fight this dude good luck getting out of the first round because he's putting dudes down quick, but yeah, that's, that's a good pick. It actually is not crossover on mine. I have him on my honorable mentions, but I didn't, I didn't put Vitor on the list. I nothing against putting him on there. He deserves to be on there for sure. Um, and I, I think it's a, I think it's a great call. Um, uh 19 the age is is super uh compelling there because he was so young coming out and yeah you're right john hess was the first one that wasn't a ufc one though that was yeah the super bowl fight um tw- 12 seconds 12 seconds he beat yes, that dude super bowl.
0: yeah yeah, that's yeah. Right. and jesus. then uh
1: then in the ufc 12 he, he knocks out trey teligman and scott Ferozo uh just because I, I was i i remember teligman i didn't remember the second guy's name though uh but the combined time that he beat those dudes was two minutes between the two of them
0: jesus <laughs>
1: first fight was the minute 17 second one was 43 seconds that UFC 13 12 that was that was 12 and then he fought yep. Tank Abbott at, at, at 13
0: yeah I uh I tweeted the other day it's probably foreshadowing this pick but uh Rogan with uh the, you know the Carlos <laughs> the Carlos Gracie team yeah uh which is Vitor's team Victor Victor yeah. Gracie I should say they were calling him Victor for that Gracie. fight but that was just uh yeah I, I couldn't help but post the uh, 90s Rogan with the earrings and sideburns and full head of hair <laughs> it was very funny I
1: I Cracked up on us. I, I hadn't seen that in a long time. That's very funny.
0: Because, I mean, especially Rogan now, I mean, he's gotten not just shaved his head since like 2012 or so, he's gotten like more trollier. Even though- oh, he's a ninja turtle. He looks like a ninja turtle now. I don't know what's going on.
1: It's well, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of the supplements, and he, yeah. he works out a lot. But hey, he looks like a he. He used to like. He's obviously always been in shape. He's done martial arts his whole life. But yeah, he's
0: he's really kind of uh, bulked out lately. He's gonna be like the Jack Lange of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> start calling him Curly. Oh Jesus! <laughs> all right. Well. Um, all right, sir. What what ended up for your number four then, my fan?
1: So my number four is a guy that's not really feared for his striking per se, but I think uh, he the, he had a really good run and he had some really terrifying finishes. And that's kind of when I think of Tyson. The thing I really think about if I had to like describe Mike Tyson in, in like a, a an elevator sentence or whatever, you know, where you have like twenty seconds to to explain to somebody, I'd say. He fought fast and quick, and it could be over in a flash. And if if you blink, you could miss it. And number four for me, I put Husamar Pajares as
0: my number
1: four. Um, and he's yeah, obviously his striking got better later in his in his career, but man, when he came in and he had a tough for, uh, second fight in the UFC, he fought Dan Henderson. Yep, the UFC eighty eight. Yep, That's, that, that was a tough fight. But man, he subbed Ivan salivary a guy who had a uh, has a submission yeah. named after him. uh So subbed him and then fights Jeremy Horn, and then he starts heel hooking dudes, uh Linares, Thomas Darwall, and that was the one where he got in trouble for not letting go of it. But that was uh, uh,
0: that was one of the real bad ones. Yeah. It,
1: it was a bad one but then you know he loses to marquardt uh but then knee bars dave branch he hooks mike massenzio so like at this point like he's he's i think terrifying people and they're scared and he's finishing these fights quick in a way that we haven't really seen before he really is one of the first guys to bring uh leg locks into the ufc and make it kind of put it on everybody's radar and obviously uh as the sport adapts you have guys like alan belcher who's like well i'm just gonna figure out how to not get subbed by it and then he goes out and beats him but uh man i just thinking of that ferocity and how quickly a fight could be over and how devastating it could be it doesn't always have to be a big knockout it can be like you watch that Thomas DeWall fight, that was a uh, that was a 45 second fight, and it was yep. it, it was terrifying the way that DeWall grabs his leg after after Palhares yanks on it a little too long, and uh, it, I, I had to, I just felt like in my gut I had to put Palhares
0: on my list. Not a bad pick at all, man. He's an honorable mention. Not only that, he's one, two, three, four, five from the top, which means. Uh, whenever I make these lists, Jordan, I go – I just write a list, like what comes to my mind first, yeah. and I do a dash next to everything. And then I'll go back and I'll assign the dashes like a a star. I'll turn a dash into a star if it's an honorable right. mention or I'll yeah, put a yeah. one through a five next to it. And uh, But yeah, he was one of the first names that popped to my mind with this list. So not off there at all. And yeah, you look at uh, – I don't have the number in front of me, but you look at it and a lot of times, again, if they get stopped, sometimes a mystique is somewhat taken away. But he goes on this run before getting stopped by – I think the first guy that stops him is either Hector Lombard or Belcher, right? I think it was, um, it was Belcher.
1: Mark Hart, T.K. Odom.
0: Yeah, after that, though, I think it was Lombard or Belcher. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bel- was a-
1: yeah you're right. Yeah, Belcher and Mar-
0: Belcher and uh, Lombard after that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark was the only one in that span. But that was kind of a weird one where, like, even though it was totally uh, his bad, it was one where it was kind of forgivable uh, whether you're a fan of Husamar or not because you're like, okay, well, what would have happened if he was just paying attention in the damn fight? The whole right. time. Because <laughs> yeah. even like in victories over Dan Miller, which were like fun fights, you would see him like prematurely celebrating getting on the cage and he'd have to like – Still the
1: craziest thing I've ever seen. That it, 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 I've never ever seen that. Herb Dean had to scream at him that the fight was not over and he had to come back into the cage and
0: fight. I've never seen that. It was the craziest thing ever. Uh, he's lucky Dan Miller still had to collect himself too. I know. you would have like you imagine a fighter attacking a guy uh, while he's hanging on the cage. I mean the fight's still <laughs> yeah. technically on. Um, Fuck on, Just throw the, yeah. throw the steel chair there and hit it with Turns it, it into a power bomb. like the guy celebrating doesn't see him behind him. Turns
1: it yeah. to slam! Joe, Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg just flip over and it becomes J.R. and Jerry king Waller. <laughs> it's <was> so good.
0: <laughs> but yeah, man, I we did the, the last top five episode uh, before this was uh, top five uh, Fox uh, fights there in the Fox era. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Paul Harris versus Belcher ended up on uh, number five for me. And part of the reason why, even though it was a one-round fight, it was so goddamn exciting. Or maybe it was two and ended early, but I'm pretty sure it was one and just ended at the fun end. end. It was okay.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, it, it was so damn exciting was because what you said, he had that knockout effect, but with a submission. You know, we see the little yeah. Japanese guys like Aoki have brutal finishes, but it didn't garner the same respect as just uh, a, a muscled out dude who, by the way, like the first time I saw Husamaru Palhares, I was at the UFC 84 weigh-ins. Oh but shit! When he fought Ivan Savilov, and I'm yeah. like waiting for BJ Penn and all the big names to come out, and like who's tomorrow Paul Harris? And you just see this guy who looks like he like looks like Blanca let out of a goddamn cage, and he's got a big <laughs> yeah. scar over his heart, like he was in a knife fight, and he's like like roaring. I'm like, what is this guy? Where did they come from? Like that was my first impression. I'm like, this guy's not this guy fucking means business. I didn't I had yeah. no idea who he was, but just from seeing him weigh and I was like, what the fuck is that thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that
1: was the, that was one of the first times that I remember like and it's not that I didn't understand that like submissions could uh, you know quote unquote hurt. Like I I understood they could, but watching him crank on dude's knees and arms and stuff, I was like, "Man, fuck that. I would I think I'd rather get clocked than than have a uh, old tree stump on top of me trying to rip my leg off."
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and before before we move on, how about that uh, grappling footage? I forget Dave something facing. Where he gets he gets the guy's knee, but then they go out of balance and they restart him and something about the restart in the leg lock position and just giving it to him like it just felt so like, like the, you know the scary part in the movie's coming, but you still get scared like that's what it felt like
1: yeah it, it, it it's gross man so and, and like it, it the other crazy thing about it is like a lot of times submissions happen later in fights, guys get tired, they get caught they get hurt. Um, they gas out and they present themselves. Uh, but he has so many first round, like even first two minute finishes. It's crazy.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, it is. That That's his game, man. He fits, he fits that archetype for sure. All right. Uh, that was our number four is I'll, I'll lead us off with number three. Cause we could be switching off here as well. Uh, cause this is one that I would, I would imagine there would be crossover. Um, you know, the devastating finishes, which you kind of, t- uh, you know, uh, touched on. This guy definitely has it. But, you know, amongst, you know, I got to imagine he's he's top three on most people's list because out of MMA in general, we're talking about the making his entrance and, oh, you know, you're in for something and the closest to that effect <laughs> uh, and, and the whole thing leading up is... Uh, I, you, you, you know, I, we, for example, I used that, that, that gif when, when I tweeted this out of Mike Tyson, and, they, and they, used it, uh, they used it really cleverly in the Tyson documentary where he's uh, – I can't remember the opponent. Um, it was before he became champion, though, uh, tall, tall gentleman. And uh, he's going – and you see uh, Tyson's eyes go left, right, left, mm-hmm. right because the guy in front of him is and his eyes yep. are just following him, but he's staying still. Yep. And Vanderlei Silva, man, I got a Vanderlei yep. Silva. Jordan, I imagine did he, did he make it on his my, my hidden and crossover here?
1: He's on my uh, honorable mentions again. I didn't. I didn't put him in my top five, but I struggled. He's probably my six or seven. Like he was. I was so close to putting him in there.
0: No worries. I mean, he's yeah. No, no, no. This is this is actually working out better than we yes, got. I, I like I like this cross coverage, but yeah, man. Van, and i mainly I'm specifying from 2000 to 2006. <laughs> his pride middleweight run. Now it's kind of crazy because there were catchweight fights, there were draws, there were heavyweight fights, there were special rules fights. That were also yeah. draws. Uh, so it gets a little fuzzy, but he essentially, folks, to make it simple, uh, almost six, but over five years, he was essentially the prize middleweight champion since the inception of the title. May have even won it in the same night that um, Noguera won the heavyweight title, because mm-hmm. after making super fights and whatnot, and then doing their 2000 Grand Prix, which was awesome, uh, they, they really started really focusing on titles to have both those going on, and I wrote fifteen to twelve middleweight fights because I think that's how much middleweight fights essentially it was, and even that's fuzzy too because then he loses to Ricardo Arona, and I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. Maybe you know Jordan, but that wasn't a title fight, and and then he won the rematch. Do you remember right, the belt for
1: you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Um, I think it was like the semifinals, and then uh, and then yeah, he fought him again, and it was for the belt. I don't I don't remember why. But yeah, I, I remember it was not a that was not a title fight. I, I mean it's a big upset
0: at the time, but yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah, for the yeah. belt. And then of course Dan Henderson who really gets credited for capping it right. off because it was uh he he won, you know, the two belts. But up until really the Dan Henderson knockout till Vanderley went on the scene because a lot of his hiccups weren't um weren't yet in pride. He were in the UFC, oddly enough, the ultimate Japan against Tito Ortiz. And, of course, before that, Mm -hmm. he gets that first-round knockout loss to, again, Vitor Belfort, who's picking himself up for what will be one of his 23 Tyson runs in his career. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, um, but Vanderlei, man, you know, doing the the classic hand things, eyes in and out. I mean, he was just a scary dude. I mean, I remember going back to when I first discovered him. I'm like, okay, I got to go back and watch his earlier fights. Uh, after watching, you know, uh, the fight that happened here with the Dan Henderson one, I go back and watch the first Dan Henderson fight, of course. Right. Well, that seems like a logical place to start. And You just it was crazy because a, he looks so different, especially, you know, after the plastic surgery. But yeah. just that menacing look like you see Dan Henderson. Oh, you guys want to see Dan Henderson playing guard in a fight uh, when he go watch the first time he meets Vanderly uh, mm-hmm. Silva. He's playing guard happily and you see a menacing Silva just kicking his legs standing over him it's nuts Mm -hmm. yeah man vanderley is a is a good pick he's got so
1: many uh like uh, again that just the the aura behind him was like he's the axe murderer he's gonna come in and throw monster shots and devastate you and uh man how about that uh oh man what was the dude's name japanese dude he fought where he, he finished him with stomps uh Dude, that is that's that was hard to watch. Like he, yeah. he drops he drops him, and then he's just got his hands on the ropes. And man, he stomps that dude like four times here. I'm looking it up right now. Uh Yuki Kondo. Yes, that's yes, uh, right. And the yeah, ref,
0: Yuki Kondo. And the ref <sighs> already gets in like about two stomps in, but yeah. he waits for like he's like he's the guy's not getting back on the fight, but he I guess he's still moving, which qualifies yeah. for the ref not to <laughs> stop it. So it's like let's just wait till he stops moving completely and then he lets him get two more stomps like all right now i'll stop it he takes four square stomps
1: to the (laughs) head and then he's then he's motionless and he's like all right i guess we can end it now but yeah man that's a good pick monnerle was a machine and he was he was so terrifying and then had that kind of mystique taken away from him later in his career
0: yes yes exactly oh all right uh Jordan, that's uh, your number three, are we? If I'm not correct, right? You got to go still. Yeah, yeah. Number three. Right. We're on
1: number three, and here's yeah. here's where I'm going to come out of left field on you. All right, I'm um, excited. Dan, off the top of your head, without looking it up, and maybe you know this, but uh, it it was it's one of the few facts that I always know off the top of my head. Who in UFC history has the shortest average fight time? Shit! If you had to guess,
0: uh, Rousey. Close. She is,
1: uh, she's three. Okay. Uh, number one by far is Drew McFedries. So <laughs> Holy shit. Is Drew McFedries. That's so uh, random. Dude, Drew McFedries was a dude that literally Makes couldn't sense. be in a boring fight yeah. if he tried. That dude could not be in a boring fight if he tried. If you look at his record, he's the only guy that I would ever even consider putting on here that had a losing record in the UFC. He didn't even – he was like five and six in the UFC. But if you look at his fights, it's insane. And all I remember about Drew McFedries is he was either always knocking dudes out or getting submitted really fast. And that's and – when I looked it up, I was like, oh, yep, that's, that's what happened. Knocks out Alexio Sakara in the first round, his first fight. Yep. Gets subbed by Barton Campman in his next fight. Love first that round. fight. Yeah, good, good fun fight. Uh, KOs the next dude he fights in 33 seconds Then he gets TKO'd by Patrick Cote In like a minute Then he knocks out Marvin Eastman in a minute <laughs> Then he gets subbed by yep. Mike Masenzio in yep. a minute Then he gets subbed by Talos Ladies in a minute
0: Holy then shit, that's right then
1: he, comes out, then he comes out and knocks the next dude out in 30 seconds <laughs> Like he only Holy had one that, fight In yeah. the UFC The second round Holy it's, it's shit, dude, every fight Like Low-key. that, to me to me, if I had to think about like a Tyson fight, it was like make sure you're there for the start because you don't want to be the guy that's like, no, I'll swing by and grab the beer and then I'll show up in the second round because the fight might be over. And that's what it was – that's exactly what it is with Drew McFedries. It was like if Drew McFedries is going to fight, you better be there for when the bell rings because oh, there's a man. good chance in minutes it's going to be over. And Drew McFedry's average fight time for 11 fights in the UFC, two minutes and 20 seconds.
0: Oh man, th- th- that would be a great fighter. Like, and Joe Silva still doesn't really do interviews ever, but like, if you're like having a conversation with him, I feel like if you brought up Drew McFedries, it'd be one of those guys that even Joseph will be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Drew is good, yeah, he, great, <laughs> yeah, great, 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 put him on a card, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put him right in there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, that that's like the
1: perfect one to go to. It's like ah, uh, we got 15 minutes. You think we can get these guys? That, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. McFedries is fighting. Yeah, yeah. He's either he's either going to get his arm torn off in a minute or he's going to knock the dude in next week.
0: Yeah, I mean that was <laughs> back in the days where they they literally had swing bouts. So you make sure like McFedries is on the main card. He's going to deliver. Yep. And make sure that bout doesn't have to swing in the first place because you're like, oh, he just gave us a nice buffer,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy too. He's one of those old Milicic guys, you know? He, oh yeah. He was. He was. Uh, like a Robbie Lawler s-
0: prototype, just heavy-handed. Like Ex-
1: exactly, yeah. And like he wasn't super buff. He didn't. He, he didn't look like he was like a uh, really really competent in any one field. He was one of those dudes that if you had to think of like who would be great in a bar fight, that dude would be great in a bar fight. Oh, yeah. Drew McFedries would fuck some people up in a bar fight. So like, uh, man, I, I felt like I just like when we talked about it, my first thought was like I got to put McFedries on there somewhere cuz that dude that dude ended fights so fast so uh so that that's my hipster pick though Drew McFedries
0: Dude that that is awesome no that's, that's 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 a good one man I uh oh man I love that era too I don't, I mean mm-hmm. uh I wrote random dudes like that down but I, I totally missed him I wrote I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote him down though I'm going to go I'm going to remember that stat that's awesome man All right um number 2 Do you want to double up or do you want to – Yeah, sure. All right. I'll I'll double up here. Um, So my two and
1: one, I had a really hard time figuring out which one I was going to do. Okay. Um, So for my number two, I – I went with a guy that again it for me I guess what I went with, the theme that's emerging here is like with the aura of like oh shit this dude is is scary um because Tyson was scary and yeah. uh I he's never gonna go down in my mind and I think most boxing fans and historians mind is the greatest of all time um I, I think a lot of times if you talk to boxing historians he'll he'll fall somewhere in the top 510 of of greatest heavyweights of all time or greatest boxers of all time wherever you want to put him um but he's never going to be that number one because he didn't he he doesn't have the record that a lot of guys had and he's mm. got some big losses on his record um could did he have the potential to be absolutely but he didn't really so uh my number two is a guy that i think is the sa- in the same vein has all the potential in the world never really put it all together but man when he was on he was on and that's uh anthony rumble johnson nice uh, I put rumble at number two because you could you could make an argument that at two weight classes he was he was kind of a tyson archetype at yeah, seventy he, he
0: still was yeah back then I was yeah
1: yeah at seventy i mean he was you know obviously depleting himself, he missed weight a million times, he had some losses there too but but if you look at the charlie Brenneman knockout the Yoshi, the Yoshida knockout might be the the one that's like, why would they put those guys in the cage together? You <laughs> Yoshida had no chance at winning that fight at all. <laughs> but uh
0: like it's it just it, the kind of those I don't want to say smash matches, but like dude, once- dude, sorry, real quick, put it this way. When Benson fought Frankie Edgar for the title, they had to remove Tommy Spear from the fence before that fight. He was still there from yeah. UFC <laughs> Fight Night Thirteen.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I totally forgot about that. One. That was that was the one that was under a minute long and that to was heal him just, off the just- cage. Yeah, poor Tommy Spear. Probably back in Alaska fishing. No, you're good. I I, I, <laughs> I was getting on a tangent there, but uh, no, you're you're right, man. Just devastating knockouts. Uh, <laughs> poor Tommy Spear. Uh, but then, yeah, he has that late career run where he comes back and he's uh, he comes back and beats Phil Davis, which I think shocked a lot of people because yeah, he had beaten Mike Kyle Andre Darlovsky and WSOF, but then comes back, beats Phil Davis, absolutely murders little nog in like 35 seconds. <laughs> oh, and then
0: Jesus Christ, that,
1: there's another one. It's like, what, what was the point of that? Like oh, you could, you could argue maybe, okay, Nogueira's going to go in. He's got great boxing pedigree. He's a, he's a black belt. Maybe he gets him down. But like when looking at it in retrospect, you just put a 40 year old dude out there to get fucking mauled by one of the hardest hitters ever. <laughs> so, dude. uh, yeah, that's a rough one, but then goes out, and knocks out Gustafson, and uh, obviously loses it to Cormier. But then the, TKO's Manoa, knocks out Bader, knocks out Teixeira, all brutal, violent knockouts over really, really good guys. So I, I, I had a hard time placing him on this list, but I knew I had to put Rumble on there because uh, he was one of the first guys that popped into my mind.
0: Yeah, he was uh, one of the last guys uh, for me to cross off uh, as far as narrowing it down because he's such a perfect fit for this list, absolutely. Like very similar, and and again, it's funny that he fought Vitor, but they're Mm -hmm. so they are so similar to each other. But also that kind of archetype again, uh, so great as the hammer, but but not so much as the nail. I I don't say that as a disrespect. I mean, uh, I'm uh, you know uh, I'm obviously you know big fans of guys like that. Whether it was Tyson or an MMA, a BJ Penn, you know, the uh, hammers are spectacular to watch, man. I'm not not dissing them, but but they they (laughs) they really felt uh, fit that archetype, man.
1: Yeah, and actually that's one fight that I really wish they would have run back a few years later when Rumble wasn't trying to kill himself. And I know he, he missed weight by a ton there, but like yeah. he, he had still gone through the weight cut process. I really, really would have loved to see them fight at like 205 or or you know even schedule it at, at, at a catchweight the whole time because I would have loved to see a rematch between those guys. It would have
0: been a lot of fun. I don't know what category that would fall under, but that's that's up there um, for like – I don't know about top five, but just when UFC really just decided to go – Not not like super fight, but like just a random match making like a super fight for no space. Like that was one of the better ones.
1: Oh, for sure. Like especially like after you see what Rumble finally did once he stopped cutting all that weight, it's like, God damn, can you imagine if we would have had a fully healthy, not starving himself Rumble and uh a TRT to like back when when TRT when uh, Vitor came back on, you know, kicking uh kicking Michael Bisping's eye off and uh and Rumble after, you know, knocking out uh you know, all those dudes, that would have been a, a
0: great rematch to see. Jeez, that would be a great one, no kidding. No, that's a, that's a great pick, man. Again, uh he's on my honorable mentions here and and for what it's worth, almost made the list for me because he he fits this list perfectly. So Awesome, man. That's a, that's a worthy number 2. Um <clears throat> my number 2 I don't want I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say not as as scary. Maybe in the scary department can be contested because, you know, in history history wasn't kind to him nor anybody in this game really, you know, especially if you stick yeah. around. Um but this guy ends up on the list confidently, though I will say maybe higher on my list than most if they do have it on this list because of a documentary that he was a part of. That is probably, I haven't seen all the MMA documentaries, but probably my favorite uh, if you have a gun to my head on, on it. It's because it, it hits so many things artistically, not just the sport and everything. And that was The Smashing Machine, Mark Kerr. Mm. It's kind of a random, um, you know. You could even say this is a hipster pick, if you will. And I almost feel guilty of some of these picks, Jordan, because when I'm going and reaching for things before my time. Because uh, when we're speaking on Mike Tyson effects, and we weren't, you know, I mean, I was. I can remember. I remember like later Tyson fights, maybe like Peter McNeil. Same here. When he got out of prison and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, for MMA, I wasn't around for uh, to to, to watch Mark Kerr in his ascension, but it's just you know so so maybe it'll be more appropriate for other people but at the same time the sport's getting so old before our eyes that that, yeah. that you know it's it's becoming just like everything else history like everything else we we have to be able to talk about it and in fact it's good to talk about it which is why we do this episode uh but yeah for people that don't know mark kerr essentially you know from uh uh i don't know if he's from but yeah yeah toledo ohio and he, yeah. he uh, he's an ohio guy he yeah. He, he yeah he uh was a wrestler and became a state champion wrestler then went to syracuse was division one division two all these accolades right like he won eight he was dominating adcc when it was like him yeah. uh mario sperry and hoyler gracie those are three different classes by the way but those were the three guys dominating in like the late 90s like 97 through like 2000 and right. he, so he was earning all these titles uh his first foyer in mma is like 96 or so and it's a it's a three. It's a three man fight tournament. It's it's so brutal, by the way. Like if you go watch the Smashing Machine documentary, and maybe I'll underlay some of it playing here. But you just listen to Mark Kerr kind of kind of talking about the fight, and there's some really cool uh, cut up trailers on YouTube. You can go go uh, go check out that I may be underlaying right now on the podcast, but. Um Thoughts are pretty pure. I'm gonna hurt him before he hurts me, and if he hurts me, I'm gonna hurt him twice as bad. Like I've gotten punched, and there's like two reactions you can have from a punch: you can cower away from it, or you can want to punish the person for punching you. And I and I developed the second one. You now if I get kicked or if I get punched, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try to physically impose my will on this person. So you punch me, but you know what? feel this.
1: let go and totally wither away.
0: That's a pretty powerful fight. But yeah, man, it really takes you into the psyche and he wins this, you know, it's really brutal like bare, you know, valley Tudo, no gloves tournament. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to the UFC. Uh, he does, I believe, two runs in the UFC, one night tournaments where it's it's two fights in a row and he, 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 you know, he beats one guy from submission go read submission, he puts his chin in his eye socket and just grinds yeah, him. That was Dan uh Dan Bobish something. Bobish. Dan Bobish, yeah, there you go. That's right, yeah. yep. And uh and it was insane. Then he goes to Pride and he's doing good, uh but Toward the end of it, and this was great about the Smashing Machine because they start off, like these guys started making this documentary. I'm sure people uh, who listen to the Rogan podcast listen to them talk about it, but they start yeah. off uh, going like, because at the time, back to why this is on the list, he's undefeated, and, and all those accolades I listed are huge, especially at the time, yeah. and even in retrospect, seeing how big the UFC and Pride would become. Uh, and he uh, – but, but, you know, so so he was a, a Mike Tyson of his own too, but he never really – he was always the hammer. He was beating everybody in the first round, and uh, these guys, they go to make a documentary to capture this greatness. But what they do capture, instead of greatness, they capture a guy crumbling. He was, I believe – I don't want to say abusing steroids, but I believe that's how it starts because he was going through that Mexican line. It's like the Ho Chi Minh Trail, but for for performance enhancers here in North America, folks, right? Right. Up from Mexico. And you can get a bunch of other stuff like illegal drugs and stuff in the process, and that's how he kind of gets hooked and starts taking painkillers. And the reason why... A lot of times I say steroids are more of a mental edge, I would argue, than a physical because it's what it does for guys mentally. And I would say this about Vitor because I've heard coaches and people close to Vitor say it. And I feel like someone could critically, just knowing Vitor's career and what we know, it makes sense. Look at it. Look at when he was on the juice, what he was doing. And he was still at victories when he was off the juice, but he was a different Vitor. He wasn't confident.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's not that his kicks weren't as powerful when he wasn't on him. It's that he was more confident to throw them with, with the strength and the and the timing that he needed to. It's exactly. it,
0: I I, com- I completely agree with you, man. And Mark Kerr, you kind of see a similar thing, but with painkillers. I mean, even Boss Rutan with go right. later saying, and his friend Mark Coleman, would, and these were friends of his, people who trained him. We're saying, you know, like, hey, I think it was, uh, which kind of takes away from being on, on the list if you take them seriously, or uh, by gospel, not incorporate the other things. But they say they think it was uh, his anxiety there, and you kind of see it, you know, from these Tyson's to Vitor's to Mark Kerr when they got into those later rounds. Because uh, I'll, I'll let you jump in here in a second, Jordan, uh, but he faces Igor Vovchanchin. And this is oh, not yeah, his first official loss, but this is when the Tyson aura kind of goes away because he takes it to Vitor. He fucks him up. He knees him in the face. He punches him on the head, takes him down, bloodies him up. But Vitor – but, but, but Vovchanchin, who's just a, a bad – everyone knows I'm a big e of Vovchanchin fan. He's mm-hmm. just such a tough motherfucker oh, that yeah. he, he's able to take it, and you just see him kind of crumble and start to get tired. And, and uh, luckily for him, Vovchanchin lands on an illegal knee. Yeah. Um, and it, And the fight 's called to a no contest after, but it 's initially called in the ring like it 's a loss, so you see the guy have right. to go through the cycle, and that fucks with the fighter. We saw Tyron Woodley and Stephen Thompson a fight that he won, even just that yeah. hiccup of a call. how much that fucked with woodley and yeah, it 's it's, it's great i 'm talking too much here, Jordan, but did you watch the smashing machine? What do you think of this pick Anything Oh you want to yeah. add in here? dude
1: the smashing machine' one of my like forget MMA documentaries it 's one of my favorite documentaries ever it's, it's, it's good. yeah it 's good right it 's fantastic yeah if, if you haven 't seen it i it was on HBO Go up until like last year, so I don't know if it's still on there or not. Because it was an HBO documentary, so I don't know if it's still up there or not. But yeah, if you can d- check out the Smashing Machine, it's it's great. But it's a good pick, man. Yeah, like uh, like you said, it was before my time, so I didn't I didn't watch it as it was happening, you know. Because in the in the Same, late nineties, yeah, I was yeah. I was ten years old. So, right, right. Uh, but, but you know, these are all things that I've gone back and seen, and as a fan of the sport, fan of the history of the sport, you know, watching what he did, and he was a pretty young guy i i want to say what was
0: he yeah he was in his prime i mean i think he started in his late uh, in mid, late 20s in mid to
1: late 20s yeah yeah so i mean he was a fairly young guy and he was he was just just destroying people you watch that par paul varlins one, his oh, first uh, pro fight dude that is brutal he beats the bejesus out of paul varlins yeah and, uh, yeah no no you're right man that's it's a good pick i feel stupid because i didn't even think of him but uh it, it does it's a it's a great pick
0: it fits perfectly and just to cap on the documentary part, because you're right, as a documentary, it really hits off. And uh, not that me and f- fucking Jordan are any kind of uh, authority that you guys should listen to for anything, uh, but uh, especially movies. But but we have seen our share. and I mean, I think me and Jordan have very similar sensibilities, uh, yep. right, Jordan? And uh, and and and, uh, and yeah, it fits up there, and I like it too. Because, and not to get too sidetracked, but for example, I don't know if you've seen Jordan, uh, Driven Jordan, but Driven. Mm-hmm. It, which is a good watch for different reasons, and it has a bleak ending as well. Obviously, it's, it's following Jens Pulver. It's kind of a rough watch if you're a fan of Pulver and we're familiar with that era. Um, and it has a bleak ending, but I would argue not nearly as effective as this bleak ending because they're starting about at that point of that Vochanchin fight, and to get into the Pride Grand Prix he fought NOA but had to withdraw because he was going through like drug problems and like yeah. it's it's insane it's showing just like all the back dealings of Pride and and this and that and they were worried about him they had people go out to jo- to to Arizona uh, uh from Pride these Japanese people just to check on him and uh he be- he beats NOA to get into the tournament and in the tournament he gets his first loss to Fujita and that's kind of the night it follows but it's great because you hear, you see, like genuine interviews from, you get the soft side of Mark Coleman, by the way, that you maybe wouldn't suspect even as a hardcore. Right. It's great to see. You see how much he cares about his friend and the psychology of he helped train Mark Kerr. And then the money, it's funny, it's like, it's $200,000. And they're talking about it like it's great money, but it was back then, especially from oh, where yeah. the sport was at, that these two friends had to get in a tournament knowing they could be smashing each other. So it's this crazy buildup that even if you didn't know MMA, I think somebody would, would love. To watch that documentary, because then you see Mark, obviously, that's, that's the high point of Mark Coleman's career, which now, after you know, watching that documentary, means, means much more uh, to see him be able to climb to the top of uh, that Pride 2000 Grand Prix, which was just a huge night in general. You had you know, Hoist throwing in the towel against Sakuraba, mm-hmm. Ken making his comeback from pro wrestling. Uh, just insane. One of, the, one, of those, one of those Pride cards, I think, worth visit, revisiting.
1: Mm-hmm. no for sure and uh, just one quick statement when you said Driven I thought you were talking about that shitty movie from the early 2000s with Sylvester Stallone uh, the yeah, racing movie well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The one where he's like, uh, strangely, yes. a race car driver, and like, it's it's so bad. But I remember so seeing terrible, it. Yes. I was like 13, and I remember seeing it in theaters, being like, "This is gonna be awesome," and then it was so bad. Yeah. Like, I,
0: yeah, like the, the preview, you couldn't even like. Everything Stallone said was illegible while he was speeding in a yeah. car because it's. Just like, uh, uh, he's
1: got like a racing helmet on. And he's like. <laughs> and you're like, what? Did his pit? Is, the, is there something wrong in the pit? I don't know.
0: Everything got a little blurry after my sexual escapade with Mickey. That's a pretty good Stallone, dude. That's, <laughs> that's not bad. That's it's way better than like, that's I think that's a that good That's probably one of the only uh, impressions that sound good with his old raspy fucking rugged voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, that's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> it's fucking, uh, this is an on-joint joke. Like, after after 40, they just, they just should have started subtitling, subtitling Stallone, you know? Right, yeah. so it, just, it got more illegible. Yeah. Alright, man. Um... That was my number two. What is your number one, sir? You're up on deck. Number one.
1: All right. My number one uh, is more of a nostalgia thing where it's like when I uh, – like you said, I think we're about the same age, Dan. So like w- my initial memories of Tyson are like when he got out of jail and he came back. He still had this allure about him because all of my – the people that influenced me to watch boxing and watch MMA were my older brothers and their friends. Mm-hmm. And right, and they're, they're the age where they watched t- – prime tyson in the 80s and so the what i'm picking up is that tyson's the greatest man tyson murders dudes tyson's the best like the all, all i know about him is that he's this uh this insane smasher he goes in he has these devastating knockouts you can't miss uh he goes on this long run of just beating everybody and he's still got a great record when you go look at his record but uh the the best comparison i could think of for me, and I know he's the youngest champ of all time. Mike Tyson was so I, I the 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 quick, and I don't know if he's number one on your list. That's great. He made my honorable mention. I didn't pick John Jones, even though the early like the youngest right. champ thing is right there. I didn't I didn't put him on my Same. list because I I don't think John fits the archetype. But when I think of a dude who's must see TV. He knocks he knocks dudes out in devastating fashion. He has the love of basically all the fans, even though he might do some questionable things that he shouldn't be loved. Uh, Anderson Silva is my number one man. Anderson Silva came over and went on what I still think you can argue is the greatest run of all time. Just looking at the names he beat, um, at the highest level in the sport. It's, it's insane to me. So when I think of like a Mike Tyson archetype, as far as like, it's must see TV. Uh, everyone is is always a fan of watching this guy fight and that's even though like we said tyson has some off the outside the ring issues that if you told me no i don't like mike tyson because of that like totally valid 100 percent. but i think when mike tyson fought i don't know anyone that was ever rooting against him really everyone was always rooting for mike tyson and that's how i feel about anderson silva i don't know anybody who ever really roots against silva you may like the guy he's fighting but you never really root against Anderson Silva. You're always like, oh, fuck, it's Anderson Silva. So I, I put Anderson Silva at my number one. And maybe it's sentimental, but it, it just it fits that ethos to me that it's must see TV. And it's like everyone is a you may not be a boxing fan, but you're a Tyson fan when the Tyson fights on. You may not be an MMA fan, but you're an Anderson Silva fan when
0: he's fighting. So that's my number one. That's a good one, man, and I agree with that point. I have Anderson Silva written above John Jones here, but John, it's, John Jones is great, but it's a different kind of greatness. Yeah, it's a different kind of rise, it's a different kind of archetype. And uh, if there w- is one thing that John Jones, even now, uh, you know, retrospect can be a real dangerous thing if you're looking at Anderson Silva. So, like newer fans, maybe like what you know, if they didn't, if they weren't a- around uh, ten years ago, um, but. When I said Vanderlei Silva is like a top three of like that walkout to what's going to happen, the other three guys were my number one, which I'll get to in a second, and Anderson Silva. Yeah. Um, Because, and again, kind of, you know, uh, some walkouts have an effect whether you you realize it or not. Um, And uh, when I was at UFC 200 and hearing, that was the first time I got to see Anderson Silva fight live, believe it or not. And so it was one of those things where, with all the mishap, I almost forgot. I wasn't gearing myself up because Anderson Silva was uh, like literally 34 hours. Yeah, last minute
1: replacement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I was like, all right. I wasn't expecting much when I did find out. So it it was under my radar amongst all the other madness attached to that car, which I'm starting to think I have my own curse because I was like UFC 200, UFC 223 I went to. And then I was Mm -hmm. planning to either cover or attend UFC 232. Like those are like two, like three of the most fucking <laughs> befucked cards in recent history. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I need to stop going to cards. But it, um, I went and I remember hearing the DMX, and it just was like, oh right. crap! Like this is one of the closest we'll get to Mike Tyson and Anderson. Obviously, already lost that aura by UFC 200. Yeah. But the Great. fact that I was a fan from the Lieben fight onward and watched this guy's when back when I didn't know who Anderson Silva was, I was just watching the pay, kind of pay per views kind of casually, and I was like, "Oh, yep. the Bumblebee guy's back! Someone's getting fucked up." Exactly. Like that's what like, it, that to your point, right?
1: Exactly, man. Like, and I think that I, I was in the same boat, man. Like, I was, I I knew what the UFC was, and like I would watch it, but the the Lieben fight, I think, changed. A lot of people's perspective and perception on what this is. Like, a lot of times before that, like, I feel like Anderson Silva really ushered in this era of fighters who were technique-driven, and and uh, because, like, Lieben is a great example of it. Like, Lieben, Bonner, all these dudes, they're brawlers, they're tough as fuck, they're knocking dudes out, and not to say there weren't guys who were super talented, but man, like, you just saw what the difference was between a guy who was tough and strong and could knock people out, and a real technical, high-level striker, and like, we, we've talked about it on here, I think. I'm sure you've talked about with other people that that fight against Chris Lieben is I would argue the greatest performance of all time because he didn't he didn't get hit. Yeah. He beat he beat the shit out of Chris but didn't get hit, made him look like a child. But then you know he knocks out Fr- uh, Rich Franklin with the knees, uh, the 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 TKO of Nate Marquardt. He beat him down. He uh, the knockout of James Irvin where he catches the kick and then just oh, you know rearranges yeah. his face. It's like dude, this is brutal. And uh, to to your point about UFC 200, man, and I feel like this kind of kind of backs up why I have him number one. No one really expected Anderson Silva to win that fight. He's fighting Daniel Cormier, who's one of the best fighters of all time, uh, at uh, at above the weight class where he normally would fight on short notice. No one really expected uh, uh, Silva to win that fight, right? And Cormier dominated it for most of the fight. There was a point, though, like halfway through the third round that Anderson landed like a front body kick, and it looked like it might have hurt Cormier for a bit. Dude i have ne- I was watching that at like a bar with a bunch of people. I have never seen the mood change in a place like that and i I typically for big fights like that, I always go to a public place and watch them because it 's fun to be in that that kind of atmosphere around that man it, it was people weren 't really paying attention to the fight before that like everyone was excited at the beginning. Anderson Silva comes out he starts getting taken down and beat up on, so everyone 's kind of talking to their buddies, you know drinking beer, eating chicken wings as soon as Silva lands that front kick, and Joe goes, "Oh, he heard him." Everyone in the bar shut up and started – like they just stopped what they were doing and started like screaming for Anderson Silva to finish him. Everyone. It was crazy. Like, And it almost brings out that like childlike wonder that you have uh, that I think a lot of people feel for Tyson where it's like you remember him being this insane – uh, force that you always wanted to win almost like a wwf style thing where he like he's the guy that's going to win i have to root for this guy and i think that like brought that feeling out of everyone when silva landed that one kick you're like holy shit fucking do it anderson go get him get him even though i love dc and everyone loves dc and he's the nicest dude but it's like anderson silva you gotta fucking root for that dude so yeah that's why i had to put him at number one
0: that's awesome man yeah no i think even dc admitted that body kick got to him yeah Oh uh, no, that's that's a great pick, man. Again, he's he's a guy right at there um toward the top of my list when I was writing down names. Names there. And I was about to make a joke, but the joke actually I'll save it uh here in a second because it actually kind of segues into my into my number 1. Um this one kind of seems like more of an obvious pick, but I can't help it, you know. Uh kind of like how you started off your number 1 pick by talking about us coming into the late era of Tyson. <laughs> I think that's why this one makes my number 1 because even when he was coming up, He wasn't exactly the Mike Tyson of uh, how we might think. Uh, People knew what they were watching knew that this guy was special, but he was a, a decent sized underdog when he challenged Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira for the heavyweight <laughs> title. And he already had a, yeah. a decent body of work in Kings and up, up the pride ranks by that time. And of course that is, is Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. And, uh, although, you know, a lot has changed in retrospect, though, not the timestamp this episode too much, he could be on the verge of adding yet another accolade to his career, having a yep. good 20, he had a good 2018, two mm-hmm. wins. Uh, but, You know, Fedor, you know, especially because I I started, you know, uh, watching about the uh, right after the second Coleman fight, you know, here in Vegas. And then, you know, you would just watch his era where it was like you you would fight a a memorable name. But we make it's easy to make fun of it now. Like, oh, just like people will try to tear down Crow Cop and say he fought this can or that. Like, you were still excited. Like, he's going to fight who? Hong Man Choi? No fucking way. And it didn't matter. You were down to see it. Whether it was a legitimate guy or a sideshow circus, you needed to see him triumph. And even though he wasn't, like, jacked like Tyson, it obviously made toward the Fedor effect, which made him unique. But I would argue that midway through his career toward, you know, that, that prime peak run, Uh, I would argue he did cross over into that Tyson status Mm -hmm. where the walkouts, even though they were this Russian ominous, you know, random crap most of the time that us Americans have no idea about, we were still stoked. We, when they, oh, they, yeah. They cut away and he's playing poker. You know, instead of warming up for the fight, we're like, "Oh right. shit! The like, guy's not even gangster. warming up. <laughs> he's a gangster." Yeah. yeah, Like, and then other people were like, with the fat, pudgy, balding guy playing cards instead of warming up for his professional athletic contest. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude. He's a murderer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so oh, yeah, my he's gosh. my he's my number one man. A little probably predictable, but I I, I will stand by it uh, for my era. He was he was he was he was a Tyson. I think for a lot of us in a way.
1: Yeah, no, that's it's a great pick. And literally, maybe this is like uh, inside baseball here. But the only reason I didn't put him on is because I knew he would be on your list either, like in your top three. And I I wanted us to not have crossover. So I'm I'm fine. He obviously wrote him down. He was one of the first guys I thought of too. But um, man, there's not a lot you can say about Fedor other than this. I don't think uh, there's another person on the planet that would have survived the Randall Plex and Jesus. Fedor not only survived it but he won that fight by submission. So I I, I, I watched that clip and it's still bizarre to me that that didn't knock him out.
0: Well and uh, even the Fujita fight that he was like oh, on yeah. wobbly legs and even more so because again back to Mark Kerr the guy who beat my number 2 Tyson was Fujita. He ended that undefeated streak technically and mm-hmm. he almost was the guy that ended Fedor's Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like
1: Fedor, you can you know say whatever you want about what was going on in Pride at that point, but everybody, it wasn't like he was fighting dudes who were like, you know, I'm being tested three times a week. But not Fedor. Like they were all doing the same stuff, and Fedor just beat them all. So uh, I I don't I I've never liked that argument about for taking him out of like the all time list. I think that's silly. Uh, But man. obviously insanely talented insanely insanely tough uh tenacious but he, I, I think one thing that gets lost is like his ability to withstand punishment, man, because like you said yeah fujita Fujita fucked him up, and uh i mean he he got hit with a lot of shots, but the the randall the is still insane the, just... the, it's the pinnacle of i don 't know how that guy survived that because if i i think if you're listening to this you have probably seen it but if for some reason that's it's escaped you um or you've never seen it uh go back and watch the kevin randleman uh fedor emelianenko fight it's literally only like a minute and a half long uh so it won't take you long but it's one of the craziest minute and 33 seconds you'll ever see it's from uh one of the prides i think it was like 2003 or 2004 i can't remember but Randleman Randleman suplexes uh Fedor onto his head, and like it wasn't just like uh he drug him down, it was he picked him up over his head and slammed him backwards on top of his head as hard as he could, jumping in the air like Fedor was probably six or seven feet in the air, came down straight on his head and insane rolled right out of it, and then then him so that's, i I don't know it's that's
0: that's that's top three the golden three Pride Slams, which is uh Jackson Arona. Fedor Randleman, and, of course, yep. Sap uh, Noguera, the pile driver. Oh, right? Those are the three, the right, Jordan? Yes. Yes,
1: tombstone. How did that not break Minotauros'
0: neck? No one knows. <laughs> that was crazy, man. Bob Sap, giant man. Hey, that's an honorable mention, too. I mean, you know, say what you will about what his run turned into, but initially, he was a freak sh- – He was, he fit the freak show what the fuck's going to happen oh. portion of the archetype.
1: It's he still has one of the one of the nuttier K one fights I've ever seen where he fought um, <laughs> Dutch Dutch Michael McDonald not the Doobie Brother singer but <laughs> the the, the blonde haired yes. uh, Michael Mc, uh, McDonald kicked him so or maybe it was Hoost I can't remember it was him or Ernesto
0: Hoost Ernesto Hoost right yeah yeah
1: yeah maybe it, it was Hoost yeah maybe it was Ernesto Hoost but uh uh <laughs> he beat Bob Sapp. Uh, uh, Bob Sapp beat him on points, actually, beat it, won a decision over Ernesto Hoost, but Bob Sapp's legs were too fucked up to go on, so Hoost wound up having to go on, even though he lost the first round of the tournament. It's one of the few times I've ever seen that. Bob Sapp wins the fight, but it's like, nope, my legs are too fucked up from these leg kicks, I can't fight anymore, so Hoost gets to go on after a loss.
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right, dude. That, 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 made his, that made a name for him on the scene too. And not not to digress too much, but man, if we did we did top five throws, gun to the head, I could round it out for you <laughs> with two more UFC ones right now, and that's gotta be Tim Bosch Uh just tossing fucking what was his name into the fucking uh, cage. Uh, 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 David Heath. It was David Heath, yeah, yeah. David Heath. And then uh and then uh what what was that other guy? Al, was it Al, not Alawale No, it was the Dude, he fought – he threw – no, his other super athletic black dude threw the Conor McGregor uh, training partner into the cage head first and, like, knocked him out like a year ago or a year and a half oh, ago. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Charlie Ward.
0: Ball. Charlie Ward uh, got thrown at his head yeah, by this yeah, guy. Tra-
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, dude from Texas. Texas dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, dang it. <laughs> Uh, I'll look it up People here. People are
0: screaming uh, at the podcast. Do, do it for me. Know, I know. You guys all know yes, it right yeah. now. I'll it <laughs> Thank like, you. I'll, I'll, know it. I'll know
1: it in two seconds. Uh, Abdul Razak Hassan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That one was, <laughs> that one was nasty.
0: Uh, the, yeah. But but, uh, but those, yeah, anyways. those. But not to digress too much. Speaking of insider baseball, though, back to my number one Fedor, uh, who, again, uh, not to timestamp it too much, but he's going to be facing... Uh, Ryan Bader, and of course, you know, I couldn't. Every time Jordan now says, oh, "I'm going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch fights," I think of the story you shared of Ryan Bader facing Tito Ortiz. So I got to ask you, I got to ask you, Jordan. Ryan Bader, Bader is facing yet another MMA legend. Are you going to go to your local watering hole and tell everybody how <laughs> Bader is just going to watch this guy? Uh, you,
1: you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to, not for the Bellator one. And especially since that, that last one uh, rang back in my face when I was like, uh, I don't know if I've ever been more confident in a fight than I was that Ryan Bader was going to beat Tito Ortiz, but, uh, <laughs> and then having 35 year old off duty cops yell at me about how I was a pussy because, <laughs> because I, liked, I liked the wrong guy and Tito is the real badass cause he fucks porn stars. So I
0: don't know, man. That's right, bro. That's right, bro. So good. All right. Uh, Jordan, what uh, any honorable mentions you want to you want to say one or two while I pull up uh, listener contributions? Yeah,
1: yeah. we we went through a lot of them, but uh, some love for the ladies here. Cyborg, I feel like Chris Cyborg is is one that you could put on any list, I think, easily. Uh, I mean, the aura behind her and she's one of the few women who's really going through and 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 consistently knocks women out obviously amanda nunez you can maybe put in that argument too but uh, i put cyborg and ronda rousey both on my list mainly yep. because uh I, I think their accomplishments speak for themselves so i put them both on there a couple fun ones that i really wanted to put on but couldn't find a spot for melvin Gillard, uh i thought of because melvin was another guy who was uh kind of fits the the body archetype kind of a short stocky muscular dude but i, I I think you could argue that Melvin's got the best knockouts ever at 155.
0: Maybe. Yeah, he had a run too. He had a real, a real run where like the yeah. word "explosive" was being used like a hundred oh, yeah. times during his fights.
1: Oh, it was, it was. Yeah, he was not. He was very explosive. And then, you know, very explosive. He was the funny thing. The funny thing about what ended his run was a Joloz on jab yeah <laughs> jill Lasson jabbed him and then subbed him it was hilarious i remember watching that fight at a at another buffalo Wild wings with my friends and uh and everyone you know i was always like the guy in my group that like knew mma so everyone was like who's gonna win this fight and i'm like well Say's on the feet gallard's gonna knock him out and then literally like 15 seconds into the fight a jab drops him and i'm like well fuck i don't know anything don't listen to me ever again because jill Losan just dropped him with a jab uh but uh yeah melvin gallard uh made my uh, Chuck Liddell I felt like I had to I had to say put Chuck on there at some point because for a long point he was the he was the high mark in MMA especially in striking using the defensive wrestling knocking people out uh sure. Chuck Liddell uh we mentioned a few of them already uh the, the only other guy I had thought of uh and I couldn't pull the trigger because I don't know what kind of run he actually had I didn't look into it but Tiago Alves was the other guy I thought about
0: okay all right all right no, I, I appreciate those. And by the way, I, I co-signing. Chris Cyborg will be an honorable mention on the uh, truncated version. She was the one um, that was fighting for that number five spot. But then I felt like, am I just being too politically correct because fucking Gillette's going to come after me if I don't put a lady on my list? So I said, <laughs> I said, I said fucking. There's another timestamp for the episode, eh? Yeah, yeah. To- a toxic, toxically masculine list, Jordan. <laughs> All right, okay, Nicholas Daly at the Feistleys on Twitter. Fedor Milianenko, good pick. We covered him. Vanderlei Silva, good pick. We covered him. Hector Lombard, uh, Anthony Johnson. He's on our uh, thing so far. This was a good one, and we didn't mention him. And and early commentary you used to refer to him as a Mike Tyson. Robbie Lawler.
1: Oh yeah, good. I think he got mentioned in like talking about Drew
0: McFedries, but we didn't mention did Robbie. It? Lawler oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did. We did mention <laughs> it. But yeah, uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Ronda Rousey. We just mentioned. <laughs> Uh, he's got Miguel Torres on here. Uh, I don't know hmm. if he's thinking a run, or but I love Miguel Torres. I'm not hating on it. Yeah. Kid Yamamoto. Uh, I don't know if that's Ooh. Kid Yamamoto, love, but hey, you know he had a he had he had a good run for for the initial bulk <laughs> of his don't, career.
1: Don't get Dan and I started on Japanese MMA. We'll be talking till next oh, week. Yeah. Have you heard of a guy named
0: Takea Mitsugaki Kids, <laughs> I already I already brought up every a time, UFC time fight I think about one. him,
1: <laughs> I get so emotional. Yes. <laughs> the way he put out there and fought, put out on a shield every time.
0: <laughs> so good by the way I don't know if you caught when I did uh, Bantamway Battles with uh, Nick Kalikas I uh, I gave you a subtle shout there my friend when I brought yeah, yeah, <laughs> up <laughs> by the way did you appreciate that uh, Edwin Figueroa uh, random fucking name drop huh yes,
1: I did that made me crack up dude fucking
0: Edwin Figueroa dude that's one of those Again, not a great guy by any means but you're like eh, I remember that guy I remember that dude yeah uh, is Matt Brown uh, Dan Henderson Gomi, let uh, so name a few. I'm going to pull up uh, Facebook here, but uh, a, real, a real obvious one, obviously, recently fits in in many ways, and his, his story is not done, is uh, Francis Ninganu, mm-hmm. um, obviously. But there's some really cool uh, cool ones here that uh, I know you're gonna appreciate. I'm gonna pull it up here from the yeah. Air.
1: I thought I thought about Ngannou, but the only reason I didn't mention him is because I, like you said, I think I think his stories we're just too early into his career. I think maybe given three, four, five more years, then I could I could consider it because we'll have a little bit bigger body of uh, body of work. But yeah, I mean, as far as like heavyweight power punchers, like Ngannou's the guy.
0: Yep. Uh, Your Aaron Fisher Lombard. Wandi, Fedor, yep. He mentions Yoel, which I, I don't hate. Uh, he no. kind of has that effect to him, even now, still. Um, Mark Hunt. Yeah, Jesus. And uh, okay. he actually went six, but I like this one because it's I got a story, but this is uh, one of those low key ones. But Tiago Silva, an early oh. Tiago Silva. Yeah, dude. He's like, he would do Uh, that thing, the throat slit to the camera after he would just murder a guy? Remember when he
1: beat Keith Jardine and then like, yeah, I was like, that dude's a serial killer. He just knocked out Keith Jardine and then went over to the camera and was like, I'll fucking kill you next too. And he was the guy
0: that killed the Houston Alexander hype too, right? When Houston Alexander was getting built up? Yeah, I,
1: I will say uh, real, another oh, man. I, we're going to make this run long. Another quick story. Tiago, Tiago Silva was a guy that I was always kind of scared of. And Machida, we've, we're we on record. Machida is my favorite fighter of all time. Uh, and uh, so when, when they got matched up, I was really nervous. I was on the edge of my seat and I was like scared. And then the end of the round comes. Machida trips him and then just falls on him and knocks him out. And then the bell rings and he doesn't get up. I'm like, oh, my God, he escaped with his life. Thank God. Machida wins. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was so scared he was going to get killed by Tiago Silva.
0: A- and uh, l- last thing before we knock out these last names here, because uh, it actually correlates to uh, the UFC 84 weigh-in story through Samar Pajares. Tiago Silva was on that card. He fought, I believe, Antonio Mendez. Um, oh, yeah. N- uh, and, uh, he f- but uh, after the weigh-ins, right, I see him like, oh, my God, they let the freaking uh, fucking knife fight guy on stage with a knife wound on his chest. <laughs> Paul <laughs> Harris, I'm still trying to digest myself. Me and my buddy Steve who got me an MMA, played bass in my band. We go to the MGM uh, buffet, right, because it's at the MGM at UFC 84. Penver shirk, ill will. And we're, everybody knows how a buffet line works. It's a long rows of food. You've got your sneeze guards up above. The chefs are on one side or the workers, right? And the people on the yep. other. Really basic. I don't know if they have buffets in Brazil or not because in walks, <laughs> giant Tiago Silva. I didn't even see him like stop at the check-in line with a group or anything. Grabs a plate. Doesn't even get in line. Because there's like a clear there's actually like a steady line of people like up up, up at the station. and this was like at the fish station and the seafood station. And he goes literally behind where, like, the chefs are and just starts helping himself. <laughs> and one of the Japanese – I'm not even shitting you. One of the Jap- small Japanese uh, sushi su- sous chefs are flipping out and yelling at him in Japanese. And he's got, like, a butcher knife in his hand. And he's not, like, swinging it at him by any means. Right. but he's, he's doing the Italian talking with his hands. He's not-
1: gesticulating. Yes. yes.
0: And it's, it's with a knife, it really kind of looks, like, really bad. I'm like, I don't know if you want to do that to this guy. And no. and Tiago Silva is doing the thing where his eyes are, like, kind of looking at him like puzzle. His eyebrows are almost, like – crunched in like he's trying to process what he's Mm -hmm. saying but his mouth and his hands are on this uh, steady but slow autopilot shoveling food steadily (laughs) into his mouth he's like (laughs) chewing as he's like kind of nodding like "Mm -hmm," but not really listening to the guy and just continuing on eating and he he had to to be like chased out from it and like escorted into the line after he already grabbed like what was a head of fish and some other parts it was it was the funniest shit
1: that's amazing. That's a great story. <laughs> so,
0: I had to add that. um that, that was last of listener submissions. I'm just going to uh, name off the last four names on my list here. Uh Crow Cop, uh he had a you know memorable run, highlight reel. Yeah. But yeah. I, again, can't speak for the Tyson feel and he had a lot of sprinkled losses. Uh Junior Dos Santos, but he's just too goddamn nice even if you yeah, not exactly. choose his initial yeah. run. Uh because I love him, but really mm-hmm. he didn't um have as memorable of a run and it's crazy because he's called ice cold and has like all the respect of his fighters which by the way supports your um anderson silva pick i always or not anderson silva but um sorry uh though i forget i think what we were talking about with fedor being being one of the best heavyweights when mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. uh, when other heavyweights when other fighters say it i think that's the best litmus test you know yeah, yeah. and and most fighters are pointing to guys like fedor or you know stuff like that, so I, I I kind of tend to agree with them, but uh, Igor Vovchanchyn in that in that Smashing Machine documentary, what I love about it is you hear some people mention that he's a softy behind the scenes, but Igor seems like the most nicest, humblest dude. Like yeah. he's just like grateful to be there. Very doesn't speak. Very oh nods his head like thank you. Like and, he's, and he and I think that almost makes these tough fighters like Mark Coleman like they respect the shit out of Igor. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh Tank Abbott, which I could put as a just honorable mention. That was probably a Mike Tyson for one of three beer drinking uh UFC ten attendees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, but uh and then of course uh Khabib Nurmagomedov, um for a grappling person, sure. I mean, a different type sure, but you know, he deserves some respect there uh, to be a future one maybe, who knows.
1: I had one other really, really deep cut that I thought about, but then when I looked it up, it really dissuaded me, so I didn't even put him on my honorable mentions, and it was mainly because I think I was young and early in the sport. But I, do you remember Goran Reljic? Oh, yeah. Mini, mini Crow Cop, basically. Yeah, he, uh, he, he came in, and his first fight in the UFC had an awesome back-and-forth fight with Wilson Gouveia, who was yeah. on a big streak himself. Also on UFC before. Yeah, yeah, TKO's him, and then gets hurt and is out of the sport for, like, two and a half years, and so that kind of killed his hype, and then he wound up losing, like, three fights in a row and gets cut, but, like, I remember watching that fight, and he was undefeated at the time, and they were like, this guy is Krokop's protege. Man, like he was throwing nasty body kicks at Govea, and I was like, Oh, this dude's gonna be a problem. And he was like 24, and then, uh, yeah, gets in like a car wreck and fucks up his back and uh, just kind of derailed his own height. But I, uh, that was that's one of if you ever do like a uh, what could have been's, Goran Relic would be up there for me,
0: dude. Definitely, uh, yeah, he's uh, I actually brought him up the other day on Twitter, uh, in a thread, I did a thread for uh, like. It almost sounds like the thing I pitched to you, which was, you know, kind of spoiler. I made do a reluctant heroes type of thing oh, yeah. in the cage but this was kind of uh mma heroes outside of the cage like you know john oh, yeah. jones stopping the mugger and goran Relic. Yeah. I, I, ironically like you mentioned the car wreck that takes him out he has one of the coolest stories where <laughs> he, he apparently uh, two kids went off the road into the water and i'm trying to imagine where his house is in proximity because apparently goran relics in his home like winding down hears it out his window jumps out sees the car in there, jumps into the water and saves them. So like the time frame of the car sinking, oxygen and for him to get down there, swim and do an underwater car rescue, like, insane but that's that's fucking cool. Yeah, it is. And it happened like six months after that fight So, and it kind of built the hype that was around him more where you're like, oh, I can't wait to see this guy back and then fucking sure enough, MMA is such a cruel... And that's one thing, by the way speaking of that, in retrospect Jordan, as we kind of wrap this list up That was one thing. We're looking at runs and all the different things to go along with a run to make it a Mike Tyson archetype. But the the biggest takeaway for me is how, and it's not that we don't already know this, but how goddamn hard the sport is and to cement any type of run in any type of era, in any type of division. All the things that have to go right and that will go wrong for you.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's what makes the runs that are impressive so impressive. That's why you look at Anderson Silva's run and you're like, holy fucking shit! He beat Rich Franklin twice. He beat Nate Marquardt. He beat Damian Maya. He beat Dan Henderson. He, you know, he beat Chael Sonnen twice. Like that's fucking insane.
0: It's, it is, man. It's super impressive, and you forget, and it's so easy even for us to be like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, because we're so caught, kind of at the top of the episode. Why, why it's so important to do episodes like this. We're so caught. In the narrative of today or the retrospective narrative, which is never kind in this sport, never kind. Right. You could find a million ways to pick everyone apart. But if we really are honest and, and put ourselves as best we can in the era if we weren't around, uh, th- th- this sport has a lot of cool history, man. And, and mm-hmm. uh, th- this this was a, another fun one where I feel like I learn more every time uh, when I research mm-hmm. one of these. Uh, hopefully you get the yeah. same effect you've done a couple now. Mhm. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, for you listeners, it's, you guys, I get you guys positive feedback, and it seems like you guys are getting that effect too, which is the most important. So, uh, feel free to hit us up. at anything uh, we missed, obviously, uh, I'm at, at dantommma. You get Jordan here on Twitter at Jay York 87 Jordan, any closing thoughts on the list? Anything you want to say? Um,
1: no, man. This was, is this was a really fun one. Um, if you guys want to hear more from me, uh, Sam and I, Sam Alvey and I, have something else. Uh, something new coming back out Sam's kind of running stuff through his website So uh, we're going to get our podcast back up and going If, if you listen to that So uh, you can keep your eye out for the Just Smile podcast starting back up Here
0: uh, here shortly Nice, I thought I saw some stuff of Bruin And uh, I'm excited to hear that Definitely keep me in the loop in that But uh, uh, um, One, so I can hit the subscribe button first and foremost And also help uh, help share and remind the people Where they can find you Thanks buddy no worries. Thank you for coming on. Again, any future suggestions for top five shows, hit us up. Otherwise, uh, I'll be back uh, next week. I think, it's, I think it's the Brazil show, I want to say. Uh, the next UFC show should be a fun one. It's a pretty I'll stacked one. And uh, we'll see Jordan again before uh, this first quarter, or the first half of the year is up for sure. If, if he'll be back on, he always has a seat here. He's welcome. So, All right, thanks again, Jordan. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, protect your neck.